Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is Ion Veterans Weekend, a roundup of the week's most important stories affecting those who served. Presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. There are nearly 20 million, 20 million military, military veterans, veterans in, in the U.S. Each week, we focus on their stories. Powered by ConnectingVets.com. This, this is CBS Ion Veterans. Ion Veterans. Welcome to another edition of CBS Ion Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. This hour, we'll hear about an organization that's using tiny houses to make a huge difference in the lives of homeless veterans. We just went out and talked to homeless people, you know, homeless vets, and said, okay, you're out here on the street. Uh, there are shelters around that have capacity. Why aren't you going? You know, the, the, the bed is situated in the, in the back corner so that if you're lying in bed, you're facing the door. And we'll learn why this program is having success, because they're doing it in a way that only fellow veterans can do. I still found myself struggling in some ways. One day I found myself, I'm standing in front of a judge, and he's telling me, you know, you can either go enroll in community college or you can do a little jail time. One of the best support structures there is the is your fellow vets. So they all do look out for each other a little bit. We're all that GY era guys, but we all recognize that, you know, all the privileges we have right now and services is all built off the back of all the people that came before us. There's been an outpouring from local employers wanting wanting us to know that they love hiring vets. That's the Veteran Community Project, and the whole story is coming at you next. So, you know, back in August, I was looking around the internet, and I saw this article about a tiny home community being developed in Longmont, Colorado. The Longmont Village will eventually feature 26 tiny homes and a 3,000-square-foot community center. So to hear more about this is the Veteran Community Project Colorado Executive Director and my fellow Navy veteran, Mr. Paul Melroy. Paul, welcome. Hey, thanks, Phil. Glad to be here. Yeah, man, we both have, uh, you know, we both have the Navy in our background and we both have worked with the homeless previously. You currently and myself once I, I, I worked through my church at our neighborhood shelter. 
And it was eye-opening. I learned so much, not just about the social services continuum, but uh, you talk about maybe a patchwork quilt of all of the social problems over the last several decades. And that's what you look at when you look at the homeless community. So um, let's start real quick with your background. Navy guy, but now you work with the homeless. How did all that come together? Yeah, it's been a, a little bit of an interesting journey. Um, so I was, I was a reservist back in the 80s. And I kind of did things backwards. I was uh, on active reserve for four years before I went active duty for two years. And for me, it was a chance to, the Navy was a chance for me to kind of get my act together in life. Uh, I was a uh, a college student with a really checkered academic background, um, <laughs> was not doing real well in school and didn't, didn't really have my priorities straight. And the Navy, quite frankly, kind of helped me helped me out on that front. But um, I served on the USS Nassau, uh, which is an LHA. We carted around Marines, 2,000 Marines and all their, their aircraft. And I got to do some really amazing things and uh, love, love my Navy experience, although it was a peacetime experience. And um, the, the folks I work with at VCP, many of them are combat vets. Their, their military experience was a little bit different than mine. And um, it's, uh, it poses some challenges for some of these folks. So they... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure if I got shot at too, I'd, I'd probably have a little bit uh, different recollection of my service. But um, mm-hmm. in any case, these, these guys all, you know, took the oath and put their put their lives on the line, and um, you know, I want to see what we can do to help them out. Share with me how VCP got started, because from what I understand, it's a uniquely veteran thing. It is. It, it's a fascinating story, and to be honest, I'm still wrapping my head around uh, things because uh, this is a group of folks who sort of did. Just they did things that you shouldn't have been able to do in just a few years. Um, you know, essentially, we had a, a small group of combat vets in Kansas City who uh, began talking to each other, weren't happy about what they were seeing going on in Kansas City with uh, with homeless veterans, and literally, you know, with some ideas sketched out on the back of a napkin, uh, started to think about what solutions might you know might might be put in place that they could, you know, they felt like they could affect uh, on their own. And, um, you know, roll forward a few years, and we've got a village now. Uh, this all started about five years ago, and there's a village in Kansas City. As you, as you referenced, they've got 49 tiny homes there. Uh, and, and perhaps just as importantly, or maybe more importantly, they've got an outreach effort there that's touching thousands of veterans' lives uh, each year. And I don't think any of them had a social services background, uh, but they were all uh, combat vets, and they all sort of understood that little piece of uh, what might be going on with some of these folks. Uh, PTSD is obviously a big driver for uh, for issues uh, that we deal with, with with veterans. But there's all sorts of uh, you know other issues that come with the military service. You know, I can think of uh, some Vietnam vets uh, who you know literally went from high school right into to fighting in Southeast Asia. You know, and they never they never necessarily got some of the life skills that you or I might have picked up uh, in our late teens or early twenties, and um, and it's it's affected them for their their entire lives. And of course, folks that are more recent vets, uh, you know, they they've been in a shooting war as well. Let's talk nuts and bolts, literal nuts and bolts. It's tiny houses, and they have like a trauma informed design or something like that. Yes, the trauma-informed design basically speaks to things like the positioning of the windows and whether or not somebody in the house next door to you can look into your house, which 
they can't hear. Uh, things like the placement of the bed. So we're talking about a 240-square-foot house. It's not, not huge. Um, the, so the decisions you make about sort of the placement of things uh, really do have some bearing on, on that residence experience. But, you know, the, the, the bed is situated in the, in the back corner so that if you're lying in bed, you're facing the door. You know, vets do not like having their back to the door. Um, it's just one of those things that's drilled into your head. Uh, when you go through military training. So there are little little nuances like that. There's uh, an extra couple of inches of insulation in the walls. The, the houses tend to be very en- energy efficient and quiet. Um, our vets like quiet. They don't like loud noises. They don't, you know, they don't want to be startled. And these houses are great at sort of keeping out the ex- external noise. So there's little, little things like that going on. Um, but at the same time, it, it is a village. And we have green space and we have uh, park benches and I think we're going to have a fire pit here in Longmont. So one of the best support structures there is the, is your fellow vets. So they all do look out for each other a little bit and they're all sort of pulling, you know, for each other's success. So that is, that's a little bit of the secret sauce there. Now stick around because this is way more than just a story about a village full of tiny homes. It's the story of a Marine Corps combat veteran who founded the organization with a checkered past one day I find myself on standing in front of a judge and he's telling me, you know, you can either go enroll in community college or you can do a little jail time. But he's now giving homeless vets a bright future. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now we've been talking about the Veteran Community Project an organization that makes big changes for the homeless through a transitional housing program that's based on a village of tiny homes. But as you're about to hear from the organization's founder, Brian Meyer, it's a group that understands what vets need, like only a Marine combat veteran can. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Share with me how VCP got started, and let's start even before that. Share with me your military background. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, my I think my background kind of uh, works very well into how and why Veterans Community Project was started. So, uh, me personally, I was in the Marine Corps for five years, uh, from 2001-2006, and deployed to Iraq a couple times in that uh, time span. And I like to tell people that you know when I got out of the uh, when I got out of the military, I came back to Kansas City. And, you know, which is where I'm from. And I had a, I really had a great uh, situation to come home to. Uh, very supportive family, friends, great social network. Uh, but none of that really mattered. And I, I still found myself struggling in some ways. And what this ended up was it kind of culminated in this scenario where uh, one day I found myself, I'm standing in front of a judge and he's telling me, you know, you can either go enroll in community college or you can do a little jail time. So that was a decently, a decently easy decision for me. Uh, I went and enrolled in community college and fast forward a number of years, and I was fortunate enough to then be graduating uh, with my law degree and my master's. And at the time, I kind of looked back and I said, you know, in, in that scenario, when I was in front of that judge, a step left or a step right, I could be a very different person and it was at that point that I kind of felt compelled to do something to give back to veterans who may have not uh, as been as lucky as me or had the same opportunities as I did. 
Uh, fortunately for me, around that time, I had met some other like-minded veterans in the Kansas City area, and we kind of got together and said, you know, if, if we could do whatever we wanted and rules don't apply to us and we just want to help the veteran community, what should we do and, and where should we start? And that ultimately culminated in this concept to build a village of tiny homes as transitional housing to take homeless veterans off the street, get them back on their feet, and then find them long-term permanent housing. So that's that's really how we all kind of came together, just a bunch of like-minded vets all in Kansas City that wanted to do something for our community. Wow. I knew I had a kindred spirit from the work you did, but I had no idea our lives were that parallel. I guess I find a similarity in your story in that, like, yeah, um, I'd stood in front of your honor <laughs> once, one, uh-huh. one too many times. Um, I had baggage that I carried with me through addictions and booze and drugs and rock and roll and being a rock guy. I literally made consecutive bad decisions that took me to a rough, rough place. And I was my own worst enemy. Tell me more about your MOS first. Tell me more about what, what, what you saw on your deployments. So I was a uh, crew chief on CH-46s, so that basically okay. means uh, door gunner on a helicopter. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty elite group to try to make it in, and, and, and you know, once you're there, you know, you're seeing the side of war that is not pretty. Um, when you came home, was your transition, you said you were surrounded by friends and things, but were you like me? Did you just want to go out and raise some hell? Absolutely. I mean, you know... It was like, uh, you know, just kind of unleashing myself after, you know, this this five-year experience and deployments and, you know, coming back home. And then, uh, yeah, I just wanted to go and, and have fun and didn't have a great path ahead of me, no real direction on what I was doing. Uh, and, you know, you, you struggle with that. When you're in the military, you know what you're doing every day. You feel purpose. You feel, you know, that reason for getting up and kind of moving forward every day. And when you don't have that, it can be difficult to kind of find what your next path is. And as a Marine, I got to ask, because I'm a Navy guy, you're a Marine. Yeah. We tend to give each other crap. Um, <laughs> Quite a bit. <laughs> Was yours the booze or the brawls? Because I always find Marines transition tends to be complicated by one of the two. Were you a fighter or did you just like the brown liquor? Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to say that it was a little bit of a healthy combination of both. Um, I won't. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't blame. I mean, in some ways, they're very connected, as I'm sure you know. Oh yeah. Um, so, but uh, yeah, you know, it was just it, it was just pushing limits. That's all it was, you know. Uh, and but you know, fortunately for me, it, it kind of worked out. You know, I. I hit a point where I kind of got that, that kick I needed to, uh, to, to get back on track. And for both of us, uh, you know, mine was culminated not only with a judicial experience, but a marriage. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to find a, you know, find a wife and she keeps me right. That is where I find it very unique and very interesting that you did what you did. Because fast forward to law degree, I mean, you could have just gone straight suit and tie, BMW, billable hours and living in the, you know, nice burbs and just never giving a rat's ass about anything. And you guys decided, you and other veterans got together now to make this Veterans Community Project. Um, How did that culminate? How did you meet the other veterans that started this project? Uh, So for me, it was when I was in law school, I had 
started, I actually started a uh, other nonprofit organization. And my goal there was to create a nonprofit organization that got veterans free legal services. Because uh, when I kind of looked around and I looked at, you know, the needs of veterans, that there are some legal services and things like that for people who maybe are trying to appeal a VA claim or something, right? But what I wanted to do is I wanted to set up a network that, you know, if you're a vet and you're going through a family law issue or a DUI or a criminal issue, or it doesn't matter that we're going to get you connected with an attorney who'd be willing to donate their time and services, you know, work pro bono to help you out because, you know, uh, just out of respect for service. So I kind of started that up when I was still in law school and I, it's through some of those contacts that I kind of met the other co-founders of the organization. Mm, very cool. And you are uniquely qualified to help. Um, you can also understand how uh, for the Vietnam veteran, life could have become a patchwork quilt of problems. First, the social services issues that, you know, they didn't want to address in the 70s and that, like, it was not a popular war. And then there was the anguish of not wanting to deal with the VA but having problems. I mean, you could understand on a very visceral level what it would be like to be a fellow Marine and come back and just needs just just need some help but not know how to get it. Yeah, you, you know, one of the one of the things I like to try to tell, you know, especially because we we serve a lot of that Vietnam era veteran, and I always like to make it a point, you know, uh, yeah, the organization, as you said, it was started by myself. Other guys were all we're all that GY era guys, but we all recognize that you know all the privileges we have right now and services is all built off the backs of all the people that came before us. And, you know, even though our path may not be easier, it's objectively easier than it was for, you know, active duty members in the decades before us. So that instills kind of like a further sense of responsibility to try to help those individuals out and get them reconnected. And maybe even though it's, you know, 30 years later, get them some of the services they never got when they initially got out of the military. Yeah, I was always surprised when I stripped back the layers you would see on the surface the scary Jesus-looking wild guy that, you know, Mountain Mike lives down by the train tracks behind Costco. And, you know, he's buried in the bottle and probably been there since 1979. And folks would look at that and just be like, oh, my gosh, that's, you know, wonder how that guy fell so far. But when I got back and I peeled back the layers of like, okay, criminal history here and got into some trouble there and, and, and substance abuse there. When we got back deep enough, we were the same guy. At about yeah. 20 years old, we were the same dude, just wild and didn't have direction, missed kind of our military connection, and were thrown into a society that, for him, was a hell of a lot harder than the one I was thrown back into. So I can completely see how, you know, this connection can be very deep for you guys, and you guys do great work, man. No, no thank you. And, and, and you, you hit it on the head there. It's just, it's, it's not judgment. It's just, in fact, it's recognition that, you know, that could have been me or, or any, anybody else down here. So we, we treat it very differently. You know, like homelessness is, is it's not a switch. You're, you're not just homeless one day. It's a very, you know, it's a path that you go down and it's a path to get back out of it as well.
Now, as we heard in the last segment, Brian Meyer is a Marine combat veteran turned lawyer who co-founded the Veterans Community Project and built a village of tiny homes to help the homeless in the Kansas City, Missouri area. We also heard how the program is successfully expanding to another village in Longmont, Colorado. And in this segment, we'll hear why the program is having so much success. Now, let's talk about how they do get back on their feet. All right. So from what I understand with VCP, it's not necessarily just, hey, here's keys, here's tiny house, bam, get your stuff together. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it's pretty self-evident you can make a homeless person not homeless by giving them a house, but that doesn't really fix anything. You know, that's patchwork. So, uh, you know, one of the things we did when we were designing this program is uh, we just went out and talked to homeless people, you know, homeless vets and said, okay, you're out here on the street. Uh, There are shelters around that have capacity. Why aren't you going? And we took that feedback uh, and implemented that into the design of the program is part of the reason we landed on these individualized structures. That's a really big deal for somebody who has social anxiety, maybe PTSD issues, uh, group living situations, or just even apartment living a lot of times can be pretty stressful. When we come in contact with somebody who, uh, so not necessarily even street homeless, if they're sleeping in their truck or couch surfing or slumlord situation, we want to get them out of that. Uh, because that's on a path to street homelessness. And what we do is get them in, they sit down with a case manager. All of our case managers work on site. We've got a 5,000 square foot kind of community center where our case managers operate out of. And we come up with case management plans. And uh, that's, that's their daily task, is to work through that case management program and eventually get back to a place where they're ready to, you know, transition out and, and be successful long-term. So, uh, you know, everybody's plan's a little bit different, but it is wraparound. You know, we focus on health, wellness, fiscal understanding, and employment, social network. We really try to address it all. That way somebody is long-term successful. Very cool. And from my personal experience, I remember, too, that some of them you had to convince to reconnect with the VA. Because the guy that maybe drew distant from the VA services that were afforded to him in the 70s and 80s and then spent the entire rest of his life just like feeling alienated and just mad at the VA, it was kind of difficult. But once you were able to bring them into the fold and say, hey, just trust me, it was really cool to be able to bring them back to the table. Yeah, you know, we, we got to battle that a lot. You know, you, you have people, a lot of these individuals have been kind of dejected by the system and they're not super anxious to get back into it, you know, so we got to contact them and say, look, you know, this organization, we're an independent nonprofit organization. Uh, we, we run solely off donations and we're, we're vets helping vets. And we got your best interest in mind here. And look, if there's something that you don't want to go to the VA for, that's fine. We're going to find another way to address it. We have other partner organizations to provide, you know, health care or mental health services or addiction services if you need them. We don't have to go to the VA if you're not comfortable with that. Uh, but if somebody is, then, you know, we fight to get them all the benefits that they deserve and, and maybe haven't had in a long time. You know, we had we had a, a individual that moved into our village here in Kansas City, and he'd been on the streets for about 10 years and uh was uh he had a uh, like bad conduct discharge from the va so he wasn't getting any services well we were not only able to get his bad conduct discharge overturned to honorable but then we got him 
disability back pay from the time that he had gotten out of the military. And that guy was instantly able to go buy his own house. And it's those success stories that I love to see in all kinds of veteran charities, you know, ones that are able to stand up and actually make someone turn the corner, help someone turn the corner. Share with me now how it's grown, because in our previous segment, we did talk to Paul out in Longmont, Colorado. You guys had success there in Kansas City. Were you amazed when this thing grew? Out of all the things that we tried to prepare and plan for, I'd say the response from the overall community and communities outside of Kansas City wanting us to, you know, come bring our programming there was something we were not prepared for. Yeah, I mentioned that, you know, the organization, it was started by, you know, a handful of vets. We're all from Kansas City, and the intention was to do something great for Kansas City. It was the summer of 2016 that we all left our full-time jobs to focus on this full time because we had been kind of doing it nights and weekends and we just weren't getting the traction. So we decided that we were going to put our own skin in the game and, you know, just quit what we were doing and, and figure it out and focus on it full time. So, you know, I left, I, I was practicing law for a little bit there and I left my law firm and I kind of thought to myself that, you know, I'll go and start this up, do something good for the community and maybe go back to law in a couple of years. Well, that was 2016, and it doesn't really look like I'm going anywhere anytime soon. Um, <laughs> by some respects, we're still a pretty young organization. Uh, but as soon as we built the houses in 2018 and started having success stories, we just started getting you know overrun with requests to bring it other places. Now, to truly hear the impact that the Veterans Community Project is having on the way we actually treat homelessness in America... Listen to the words of HMS Development's Kevin Mulshine. He's the guy who's developing a subdivision adjacent to the Veterans Village going up in Longmont, Colorado. You know, and you know what happens is because this community will have mostly smaller homes. So if you take it, I just turned 60. But for people my age that are downsizing, the opportunity for me to be able to live in a community, have a product where you could live in the community, and I can grab my coffee, walk down the street, and help a young veteran with a resume. What a great way to spend uh, a couple of hours. So it's a community service opportunity that, that we're actually calling an amenity. An amenity is community service. And as Paul Melroy, the executive director of the Veterans Village in Colorado, explained, the future for the veterans who go through their program looks pretty bright. And I, I've been stunned. You know, the village hasn't been built yet. We just broke ground. And I, there's been an outpouring from local employers Wanting, to, wanting us to know that they love hiring vets. And uh, that's, that's very exciting, just sort of knowing well in advance there's going to be opportunities for the folks we're working with. Uh, very exciting. You know, the plug I'll put in here is anybody that wants to kind of keep up on what we're doing, uh, veteranscommunityproject.org is a great place to start, keep up with our expansion. And if anybody's listening and they really are interested in maybe bringing us to their community, uh, we're, we're looking to grow, so shoot us an email and maybe we can make something happen. All right, Brian Meyer, Veterans Community Project. Been a pleasure, brother. Good work for a Marine. I'm just, I'm just so glad that a Marine actually was able to finish law school and went on to do something <laughs> as profound as what you've done. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's the running joke around here, trust me. I still, get, I, I still get plenty of people leaving crowns on my desk and uh, being in disbelief <laughs> that a Marine was able to get a law degree. So, you know, I, it, it's never stopping around here. <laughs> oorah, brother, oorah. And that's where we'll leave it for this week. 
I'd like to thank Kevin Mulshine from HMS Development, who's building the Mountain Brook neighborhood right next to the Veterans Village in Longmont, Colorado, and the executive director and my fellow Navy veteran, Mr. Paul Melroy. Absolutely. Haze gray and underway. Just as an afterthought, is that a color option inside someone's tiny home? Can they get... <laughs> <laughs> You know, we, we tend to paint, to paint the houses uh, with a color that is uh, indicative of the service that, that they uh, served in. So, <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. For ConnectingVets.com, I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs, and I'll be back with you next week with more great stories on CBS Eye on Veterans. Earn your degree online at University of Maryland Global Campus. Meet with our military and veteran advisors in our virtual advising remotely at umgc.edu slash virtual advising. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.